Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Hey, everyone. Hello. Hey, okay, so um, just gonna get started. Um, we are uh, gonna have Nika join us later in, but my name is Sarah and I am the lead program manager of the IGDA Foundation which is a nonprofit dedicated to making the games industry uh, a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive space. And with me today, uh, we have our special guest, and I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name, Andres? Yep. Awesome, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your background? Um, uh, sure. Uh, so um, I'm a game developer. I'm running a um, huge studio, Enclave Games, which consists of me and my wife. Mm -hmm. uh, and we make uh, casual games, uh, web games. Uh, and we are pretty excited about uh, web monetization, which is a mm -hmm. new standard we might talk about uh, here in the near future. Awesome. Yeah, no, we're super excited to have you on board. So just to kind of give everyone a heads up. Um, in mid-February, the IGDA Foundation um, partnered with Grant for the Web to create the Diverse Game Developers Fund, which is a fund that was created to give over $300,000 in funding to small indie teams or solo devs building game prototypes, um, students that are, you know, uh, in game dev or game dev adjacent role, uh, majors who want funding for their projects. And also we are funding and sponsoring game jams. But the one piece of this that holds it all together is the idea that we're really interested in the playful exploration of alternative monetization. And that's something I think that's really new for a lot of people or we haven't really explored it or talked about it before. And I, to be quite honest, when we first started this initiative, I actually had no idea what this meant. And so we're really excited to educate everyone on what monetization is and figure out ways that we can make uh, monetization more accessible and put more power in the hands of creators. Um, and Andrej, I was really wondering if you could give us some insight about, you know, just the fundamentals, like what is monetization, right? So, cause when I think of it, I just think like subscriptions or Bitcoin. Um, so what, what can we tell everyone about like, what is this? Uh, so uh, web monetization is um, actually a proposal for a mm -hmm. web standard. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can imagine it's an uh, API. Uh, there are other APIs like mm -hmm. GamePad API or, or something similar. Um, the, you can, um, so this is a proposal. Uh, and so obviously web monetization API is about 
uh, wiring some micro amounts of money through the web. And um, so it's quite, uh, quite new. Uh, mm -hmm. It's still more or less experimental, but the cool thing about it is that it already works. Uh, mm -hmm. There are some browsers, uh, you need a plugin, some others have this built uh, by default already uh, mm -hmm. as an experiment. Uh, so the, the concept it itself uh, is quite interesting. It, it works like the web. Uh, you can, instead of sending data, uh, you can send money and uh, it doesn't matter what currency you're going to pick. So you can wire dollars, uh, you can wire Bitcoin, uh, you could even wire gold if you're brave enough. Um, and um, as I mentioned, it's it's really cool that this mm -hmm. is not like a walled garden closed marketplace controlled by one company. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a proposal for an open standard that any company can work on. Uh, and um, basically, the web developers uh, can easily pick that up uh, because it's the, it's the web standard um, that uh, is rather simple to implement from the technical point of view. Awesome. Thanks for that. Yeah, I, I've been kind of following some of the work you've been doing and how you and other devs are incorporating monetization in games. And I was wondering if you could speak to uh, maybe some of the more creative ways you've seen people implement monetization into their games. Uh, sure. So um, this is like a cutting edge stuff. So Wait, um, I found yeah. this woman wandering around <laughs> in the hall outside oh, of the studio. She looked Hello. a little lost, and so I'm I've going to I'm going to dump her in here with you all. Okay. <laughs> hey, Nico. We've been talking a little bit about monetization. I'm so sorry we interrupted. So the question that I basically asked was like, what are some of the creative ways that people have implemented monetization in their games? And then after we kind of talk a little bit about that and how we want to make it, you know, uh, or explore ways to make it more accessible, then we can go a little bit into what the DGDF actually is and like, yeah. what people can no. do, right? No worries. So, well, Jeff, awesome. sorry about that. So part of living in a pandemic where you relocate because you're trying to like move in with your fiance and stuff. So I've never lived in the Midwest. I'm currently, my name is Nika Noor. For those who are joining, I have moved to the Midwest in this pandemic and did not know what a tornado alarm, fire alarm was. Apparently we've got tornado warnings and it apparently was a drill. So yes. I ran down a flight of stairs oh and then I flew back up the stairs. Wait, so, so, this was, <laughs> so this is like the, the, okay, so maybe this is, I grew up in the South, but yeah. you're kind of like Midwest South. So this is like your, the, the Midwest has me. like a, <laughs> this is me learning all about how even though you can work from home, apparently tornado, you know, just like a live event when things go wrong or you don't know the location, um, apparently you can get tornado warnings and learn all about whether or not it's a drill. And I'm from California, so I lost my marbles. And apparently, just so we are totally aware, I... I ditched this panel thinking there was a tornado with my Nintendo Switch and three cans of sparkling LaCroix. <laughs> and Amazing. My That's it. I was like, if, I, if I'm 
So there's no tornado. I apologize I'm late. I'm so excited to talk about our fun. And we'll go back and take it away. Thanks, Andrash and Sarah. And thank you to Indie Game Business. Please, if you're on the stream, if you know anything about tornadoes and tornado preparedness, <laughs> drop them in the chat because I have no idea. I'm only familiar with wildfires and earthquakes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Wow. Yes. Give Let's us jokes. Ketchup. Ketchup that nobody wanted. Let's talk diversity and inclusion okay. and helping people get some prototype funding. Awesome. Yeah. So just cool. jumping back then, uh, just to love to know, like I, like I was asking before, what are some creative ways that game developers have incorporated monetization that you've seen? Uh, so it, it's quite new. It's cutting edge. So people are quite uh, are starting to experiment with the technology. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have any specific um, ways uh, in mind, but I, we were organizing a web monetization category in the JS 13K Games competition uh, that ran uh, in 2019 and 2012, uh, 20. Mm -hmm. So we had uh, two uh, editions with a web monetization category already. And I noticed a huge difference between like the first year and the second one. Mm -hmm. uh, we will be having third um, third year uh, this time, this year. Uh, so I can't wait to see what people will be coming up with. Uh, but in general, the, the first year was like seeing if it, it if, if this just works, if not, mm -hmm. if like, what can you do with it? Uh, while the second year was already experimenting with adding some extra uh, features to the to the game, uh, extra bonuses. Um, when uh, when developers were implementing uh, those features for monetized users, uh, there was a lot of creativity. What can be considered uh, this extra bonus, extra content for uh, for monetized users? Um, so. You can check the games on the competition website, but um, those were pretty interesting uh, and uh, different ways of of implementing stuff. Um, usually, it was like extra level, some some weapons, or like uh, giving uh, more time for something, or uh, adding uh, extra difficulty levels. Usually, it was like adding the, the easiest levels, but one game was offering like a hardcore mode, uh, which was quite interesting um, to see as a bonus. Um, and I can I can uh, safely say that uh, we are just getting started, and there will be uh, really creative ways uh, coming this year uh, from developers experimenting with the technology. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, we're we're super excited to see everything that everyone's been coming up with, um, just because this is this is I think something that's kind of new, and I think a lot of people are only familiar with monetization from like what we've seen at GDC. Um, and different, you know, pop-ups that have or pop-up events that have occurred. Um, but I was wondering, Nika, if you could speak a little more to like why, you know, why monetization? Why, you know, why is this fund uh, looking at alternative monetization? Yeah. So let me a little context on how this fund came together. You know, since the pandemic and and coronavirus, you know, the IGDA Foundation's programming has pretty much supported in-person scholarships to get people to GDC to connect people to folks, uh, bringing in the next generation of leaders to create access networks and find 
um, you know, and just like make deals happen, find funding for projects they're working on, ensuring that people can actually, you know, hit and reach creative goals without money or without, you know, access being a big barrier. And so we have been really, especially last since last year, taking a look at like, how are we reinventing the landscape of access? Um, people from underrepresented communities, especially people from underrepresented regions of the world, already have a lot of barriers and a hard time. Um, but we're all at home. We've all got internet. And we're completely wired up and connected. There still has to be a way to pull people together. And the folks at Grant for the Web have been looking at forms to look at alternative monetization methods across the web, right? And anytime the internet is like, oh, let's look at innovation, let's look at creativity, let's look at innovative play, we're the first ones to be like, don't forget the games, right? Like right. on the internet, it's so easy to, it's not so easy. I don't want to be the little, the other internet industries, right? But like creating a game is not like monetizing a blog post or a news site or a Tumblr or a, or a freaking like new social media platform. Games require teams, they require assets, they require artists and audio. It's not like when you, when you do a game, when you do like a jam, you know, that's music, when you're creating new content for music, you know, you can sit in a parking lot and put on some tunes and hear the end product. When you do a film festival, you can watch a whole scenario and be done and all eat popcorn and sit in the park. But when it comes to games, it is a process and that process requires funding and marginalized uh, communities have a hard time when it comes to funding. And most people that you pitch nowadays, they won't even look at you until you have a completely built prototype. Well, how the, not cursing, not gonna use the F word, but how the bleep are you supposed to pull together an entire prototype without resources to feed yourself, feed your family, feed your team. Um, you don't just pull all these assets out of thin air. Uh, that's like a weird, that's a weird general, like that's a weird version of like of labor that I'm really not even gonna touch in there. And the idea of having one of the most technical, one of the most brilliant industries pretty much have to, where your success feeds off of putting in your own grit and labor for months before you can even fathom getting to a mid to a mid project product is absolutely bonkers. It's so backwards. And by the time people are done creating their game, by the time they've got like something even remotely, you know, acceptable, I guess, by publishing standards, they're so tired that they're giving away their entire intellectual property for $20,000. What the hell, man? That's insane. Can you imagine working on something where then you give away 100, if you were creating a small business and then you went in and gave away 100% of your equity for pennies on the dollar and then somebody took your product and flipped it around and turned it into like a whole revenue because they have the pipeline and the infrastructure to do so. That's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And that was really the heartbeat of this fund. It was like shit. This right. pandemic is weird. I'm like trying to figure out what tornado preparedness looks like. And I've got people stuck all over the world trying to figure out what they're doing with their lives. And so if there's anything we can do to make things just a little bit easier in a world where things just seem so, so, so difficult, that's it. 
That is the entire ambition of this fund. That is the entire mission of the IGDA Foundation. That is the entire purpose of our being here and pulling together this panel. And thank you so much again to Indie Game Business for the platform so that we can speak to it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Nika. Yeah, it's been it's been amazing just seeing kind of everything come together and the excitement that we've gotten from this because I didn't realize like how many people are out there looking for funding and are really struggling to make their 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 products known or or get the funding they need or like the the uh, like a safe kind of funding almost where they're not giving away their intellectual property. They're not compromising their values. Um, and, and this is amazing that there's a space now that they can do that. And I was wondering if uh, either one of you could speak a little more to uh, specifically kind of the monetization component. Because one of the things that we've been talking about at the foundation is how current methods of monetization are very oriented in Western standards and how they may not necessarily be um, useful or helpful and, and, and outside of, you know, like the US or just Western countries in general. So, so what's kind of like the thought process behind that? Andrej, do you want to go? Cause I just gave like a uh, mini TED talk. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. On I the can, state can of the world. Um, so I think uh, web monetization uh, is um, kind of important in a way that it's trying to propose a different uh, way to earn money on the web. Uh, since uh, right now, most of the revenue is coming from adverts. Mm -hmm. um, and with adverts come, uh, comes privacy, um, data, and uh, all, that, uh, all that stuff. So um, mm -hmm. with web monetization, uh, it could be possible to throw that whole piece away, uh, use um, uh, web monetization API to earn money on the web, and uh, ditch the, the whole problem of uh, uh, dealing with um, with privacy issues, uh, leaking stuff, and etc. Mm -hmm. um, so I think uh, it would be great to have web monetization uh, be a viable option uh, to earn money uh, compared to other uh, ways of um, getting revenue. Uh, it's not like uh, in the next few months we have to like uh, throw everything away and uh, forget about uh, the advert business. Um, but it would be nice to have this as, uh, as an alternative uh, that people could uh, actually try. Uh, mm -hmm. This could work for them and uh, they could make a conscious decision to pick this up over something else. Awesome. Mika, do you have any thoughts as well? I know you just gave your TED talk, but you I, I know you're passionate about this we too. Do. Yeah, I mean, look, there's. I, I come from a background where I have actually worked on internet policy, internet mm -hmm. language, especially I don't know if, I don't know if people even remember like the SOPA PIPA bill that kind of went out, but, um, and I don't, we don't need to, we don't need to rehash 2013. <laughs> but, the, but, the, but the idea is as kind of Andres also kind of look to is how do we also kind of create new avenues, new ways for revenue that are necessarily very much focused on the way we look at currency from a, from a European or a Western point of view. Right. The rest of the world has they have guess what the rest in, in the rest of the universe there are different ways to look at money and there are believe it or not 
a lot of countries that don't have a huge, robust AAA, whatever, like Seattle's and Amazon headquarters and Xboxes just in their backyards to create revenue or jobs and games. And again, when we get to the accessibility, like how do we get to an industry where you really can make games from anywhere in the world? But when the industry is so focused in like North America and Europe, and obviously there's a whole Asian market, but like we won't even get into that today. But how about the other areas where there's really talented individuals that wanna make their living doing this? Just the other day, I was speaking to the folks over at Africade. They do a really great job of bringing developers and communities together in countries, uh, in the surrounding countries on, in Africa. And I, they were telling me how a lot of a lot of game developers are being snapped up, snatched, snapped up, and moving into realms of app development, internet, you know, infrastructure, moving into big tech because they haven't been able to kind of break ground and, and build games that generate enough to establish the local economy. The State mm -hmm. Department is developing entire um, pro programs and funding huge projects in Pakistan right now, especially supporting female developers in Pakistan right now. Bahrain is looking at establishing an entire video game ecosystem for the whole purpose of developing esports in Bahrain, which I'm not even going to dig into that today either <laughs> because we're not here to talk about esports or local economies. But what we can do is mm -hmm. help people generate games and create sustainable living and find alternative revenues that aren't going to block them uh, or be cumbersome like mm -hmm. your models of advertising. And so how do we, again, it's maybe not up so much about, oh, we're here to like disrupt the internet and it's disrupt mm -hmm. games. But let's get back to the heart of playful innovation. And I feel like we have really almost gotten away from that because there's just no avenue anymore. I feel like in games, I'm curious, Andras or Sarah, if you disagree. But, you know, I feel like in most industries, there's like I'm an intern and then I'm like, you know, a secretary. And then I learned this thing. I'm a project manager and now I'm a VP and an executive and the CEO. And we have somehow lost the path. Um, mm -hmm going from the mailroom to the boardroom or like that sense of entrepreneurship just seems really, really cumbersome and very, very intimidating to make games, especially in regions where you just don't have, you know, Activision Blizzard in your backyard. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and I'm I'm here in the US, obviously, and I do have a lot of resources surrounding. I went, to, you know, I, I got started in game dev in Boston, which is a, a huge like indie community there. And even then, it was really, really hard. Um, just, you know, if you don't have people there who were able to kind of explain like what a path might look like or tell you like, hey, there are resources there. It could be incredibly difficult and intimidating, but you know, it isn't impossible. And and while we don't have like the direct path in a way, it's almost kind of a good thing because now we can find new ways to get to where we want to go. Um, but still you do need some kind of like support system or, or way to to give people the resources they need so they can make those weird paths into, you know, that senior level role for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. so the audience knows, I'm having a backstage chat fight. We're going to totally out him. So the host of this whole wow. conference believes that the path from mailroom to boardroom is QA, then producer to CEO. And I'm totally going to disagree because <laughs> I'm totally yeah. going to producer. I'm in charge of the camera. I can jump in. That is exactly <laughs> the crap that we used to do 10 years ago. Oh, God. Like, and that's so I'm glad it is changing. But that's it like, is. 
So, I mean, first of all, I want to say to all my QA friends out there, your path is a career and it deserves oh, that. Cause I think hopeless. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just want to say, yeah. Cause like they're, they're saying, yeah, there's <laughs> the, the thing they're, they're joking about it, but yeah, no, it's like, it's funny because I feel like uh, in this industry, we feel like you've got, you got to like do the stuffing stuff thing, but you totally don't. And I, one of my favorite stories is like how I know some people who worked in like the hotel industry that are now like leading whole marketplaces in the games industry, but like you need the support system, right? You need, you need the avenues and the opportunities. And that could be really, really hard. Like you were saying, Nika, when you don't have like Activision in your black backyard, like, uh, cause I, I can name so many times when like, uh, you're not necessarily located in the space where that where that studio is. Those opportunities are less available to you because it just makes more sense to like pick people who are already in that location. So I, I'm so excited. At least going back to the foundation, where we're doing international stuff, we're providing you know opportunities, and we're really excited to see these different places grow and build these networks and communities. Right. Um, so so yeah, there's my little rant here. <laughs> no, it's valid. Yeah. So I don't know, we should probably spend some more time talking about what this fund is and what <laughs> kinds of projects, you know? Because we talked about monetization as kind of like the, the key piece that kind of, it's like the theme holding it all together, but there are three components and we haven't gone into that. Um, and uh, I know that I can talk endlessly about it, but I think we should at least start with the prototype uh, because I think that is kind of like the big, the big uh, question, like how, you know, how do we apply? What do we need to apply? what kinds of monetization counts? Um, and so I guess we can start with Nika, like what is, you know, this prototype fund? Um, what kinds of projects are we funding? That kind of thing, yeah. yeah. So the prototype fund, we are looking <laughs> to fund people seeking to make prototypes. If you have a prototype that's partially built, that's, that's acceptable as well. We're looking for people to come in and demonstrate that one, yes, they can actually create this prototype and fulfill the mission unit, right? So if you get awarded, please build the prototype. <laughs> that's, that's step one. Yeah. Seems basic, but yes, you do have to. It would be really nice. <laughs> yes, it would be really nice for you to fulfill, right? And so right. we're looking for people and we're going to look at, well, like, one, does the person or the team have the capacity? Are we confident in that they're going to build and fulfill, like, you know, the agreement and the award and getting this done? The second is the viability of the game. Like, do we think that this game that gets built into a prototype can go off and, you know, turn into a fully developed game? We don't want to just like push out a bunch of money and then you make a prototype and it calls it a day. Nope, you know, no one's picking up or getting further funding. And we've developed a really amazing steering committee to help us one guide, um, you know, the applicants through this process but also to ensure that we are setting people up for success, not just within the four months, three months, whatever, I don't know what time is, but not just for the duration of the fund, but to ensure that you have access and that you are part of a community of um, other individuals that will be looking at funding and looking at you know the longevity of your success, because it's a shared success. We as a foundation, we get nothing mm -hmm. out of this other than like, the joy of watching you be happy and go off and become brilliant game designers and studios that take off and get a million downloads and beat out the big guys. You know, we love the big guys. They're great too. They support our other programs, but you know, that's the, that's what we're kind of looking at. And then the third aspect is, are you a person from a marginalized community or background? And like, 
welcome to games where the barrier is really, really low because we have a really tough time with diversity. So LGBTQ plus IA, um, people from marginalized genders, we're looking at people from underrepresented regions. Neurodiversity is also a thing. Um, if you believe you're underrepresented and make a case for it, and you know, like we're not the type of organization that's like, give me the laundry list of your identity. We are very much like, come as you are. But you know, we also want to ensure that the people receiving these funds are the same people that are going to have a hard time and don't have access to those mm -hmm. funds. So that's where we look at the DEI. We're not looking at like, okay, this person ticked these five boxes and ta-da, here you go, you get funding. Like that's mm -hmm. not how it works. We are also, uh, we're going to be, we're looking right now, depending on how the applications come in and at what levels, we're looking at funding eight to 12 projects. Um, because, you know, right, like funds are distributed based on like what your budget is. Obviously, it costs more to make a game in some countries than others. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to get as much of it out the door in the hands of as many people as possible. Um, and the people who are selected, I love that I'm using my hands so much. I feel like I'm at a real conference. It's been so long. Right. I've been this excited about anything. But I back to back to what I was saying. Um, we're we're not just also like throwing money at you and checking in in a month. Like, hey, how does how's it going? Did you did yeah. you do the thing? Um, you're gonna actually have a team from the IGDA Foundation side that's gonna help you through the technical, help you think through. You're gonna socialize with one another. Uh, recipients are gonna be in a community where they can troubleshoot with one another. Uh, so think of it as like. I don't know if this is culturally like if this is applicable and I'm not sure the audience of, of, of you know, who's watching, but think of it as like a really awesome, like internet asynchronous co-working space where like everyone wins. It's like, an you know, nobody competing against each other. We want everyone across the finish line. We want everyone to do dope work. We want the creativity to flow. And again, this is supposed to be as as anxiety driving as applications are. The actual program is supposed to be a fun experience. Yeah, awesome. Or, or awesome. It's fun. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think what like, I will sign up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are, the, what are the questions that we've been getting to just about this prototype one? It's just like monetization. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit earlier today. Um, but I would love to know, Andres, if you have ideas of like places where people could look to learn more about just monetization in general, because I know that it's not always 100% clear what this is. And I think it'd be great if, if we can maybe suggest like some good starting points for people to do research, because we're asking people to think about that in their prototypes. You have got to check out our Discord at discord.gg slash Indie Game Business. It's an amazing community of over 3,500 other industry experts. We've got developers, publishers, marketing and PR firms, investors, so, so many, so many. It's safe and supportive place to network and to talk to experts. You can learn more about the business of games or you can share what you know with others. We have exclusive workshops on perfecting your pitch deck finding a publisher and more remember it's discord.gg slash indie game business
sure. So the the first uh, place to watch mm -hmm. is uh, the grandfatherweb.org uh, website where you can learn about um, mm -hmm. the whole program. Um, and um, other places include uh, webmonetization.org, which is like a place with uh, documentation. If you're more technical, mm -hmm. uh, webmonetization.org is the place to go and check the actual uh, documentation of the API. Uh, the short version is uh, implementing web monetization API is rather straightforward. Uh, because it's about adding a monetization meta tag to the HTML page. And mm. basically that's it. And from the JavaScript point of view, you can detect if monetization is enabled and then do something, show some mm. extra content. Uh, so all that information is um, on the webmonetization.org uh, website with uh, within the documentation. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a community, uh, community.webmonetization.org, uh, where the folks uh, participating in the Grant for the Web program uh, and many other people are sharing their experiences. Uh, so I would definitely, definitely check uh, reports from people who already are um, um, having the, the grants uh, from mm -hmm. the Grant for the Web. Uh, there are a few game dev projects. Uh, so like checking what uh, other developers are already doing, uh, I think is a great way to get into this um, because they are already sharing their experiences, uh, what uh, went good, what could have been mm. improved, uh, some lessons learned. Uh, because the program, uh, the Grant for the Web program started uh, like more than a year ago already. Um, there was one uh, open call for papers. Um, so there's uh, plenty of op opportunity to check what other people are already doing uh, with the technology, how they are implementing web monetization in their own projects. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I know that's super, super helpful because like I was telling folks earlier, like I, you know, when we first started this project, I had to go and look what this was because I had only known just what I had heard like from Twitter or like in passing or like people handing out brochures at GDC. So we really want everyone to feel like there's the opportunity to learn what this is. And one of the things that I do want to point out with this prototype is that while we're asking people to propose monet their monetization alternative monetization model. We understand that this is an experiment. And so you might realize that things may change or you might learn something new. And so we want people to feel like they're not necessarily locked into this one thing, but that they're you know learning more about alternative methods of monetization and bringing awareness to it through you know their work. Um, but one of the questions actually that I've been asked to ask is basically, so once this prototype's done, what happens? You know, what, what happens after we, we finished this, this initiative? Yeah. So what happens after is like you have your fully developed prototype and you, you, you go off and you start looking for full funding so that you can bring it into completion. The reason why we looked at prototype is one, we wanted to do research and experiment with alternative revenue streams, alternative monetizations for countries and developers that don't have like traditional access or traditional monetization access for their games. And then B, uh, marginalized devs, they 
have a really hard time for whatever reason in the entire pipeline of how to make a game from, can't see my hand, there we go, from start to finish. For whatever reason, this slice here, pretend this is the start. I don't know. Pretend this is the start and this is the finish, okay? <laughs> so for whatever reason, this first step here, making the prototype fun, is where they're having the hardest time looking for access to funds. There isn't like a great study on it. It's literally a conversation we've been following on Twitter, the very scientific way that the IGDA Foundation is trying to figure out support, but we, right, is, is through Twitter, right? But through COVID, we've been having a lot of conversations trying to re-scope re how we look at support for our communities. And the number one debate that just keeps coming up over and over in a lot of our small communities, our town halls, our listening tours has been prototype funding. And I was like, all right, heard you loud and clear. Let's figure out how we do this. Let's figure out how we experiment with this. And also, because we're the IGDA Foundation, how can we have a lot of fun with this? And that's why we, you know, we did web bait. We made, we kept it to kind of the web-based platform because it's accessible to everyone uh, to an extent. We started small. People are like, why not consoles? Why not Steam? Why not this or that? Uh, because we are we are a modest nonprofit, and we aren't going to promise doing huge things at big lengths at a time. We want to focus on doing a few things well. Um, you know, it's not a secret that the industry has a problem with diversity and inclusion. It is not a secret that the video game industry is terrible at corporate social responsibility. It is not secret. It is not a secret that things are really difficult in the pandemic right now. And so this is kind of another way that we're making a dent at um, mm -hmm. finding ways that we can explore, finding ways that we can play because, you know, the actions we take, the steps we you know, the, the steps we make going forward, they should be reflective and and as fun as like the products are. Like it's, it's ridiculous that, it's ridiculous that we have these incredibly tough conversations um, when the product are just amazing, beautiful, incredible experiences where our consumers and our players and our gamers, our gamers are putting so much of their soul and themselves into. I don't know about you, but like there's a totally different experience, at least I get, like playing Ori in the Blind Forest. I've I've never cried as hard as I have at the end of Ori in the Blind Forest than in like any movie. Name any sad movie, you're not gonna get shit from me. Ori in the Blind Forest, I was a mess for a week. Just insane. I don't I don't know if anybody's played that game. Maybe it's a good example, maybe it's not, but uh, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's very true. Um, I don't know, uh, Jay, if we have time for more, but I do actually want to also touch on just the academic scholarship component of the prototype too, or the the fund as well, just because students have also been asking a lot of questions. So. Um, I can go into a little bit about what these scholarships are. So we, you know, like the prototype funding, we're seeking to help students from marginalized backgrounds pursuing degrees uh, by funding their projects. Uh, and these projects could be game projects. They could be papers, lectures. They could be, you know, holding a workshop. Um, but it also uh, needs to have some kind of monetization component as well. Um, and it doesn't have to be actually integrating monetization in the project. It could just be like talking about it or having some kind of uh, like we're, we're running a workshop on how to integrate it, something like that. 
Um, and I wanted to ask, you know, Nika, how we, <laughs> I'm seeing, sorry, I'm seeing this chat run by me on the side. I'm trying yeah, to- Yeah, just so chat. the audience knows, we are just basically picking fights with the host and manager. This is so great. This is, welcome to poor, poor Jay's trying to run like a real conference. This is what happens when you invite the IGDA Foundation. We like to have fun and by fun, we like to troll our host and pour, pull poor Andrash into this, but go ahead, start what was your That's question? Fine. Yeah, I just want everyone to know, I'm like trying to be, I'm I'm not like a, a panel hoster by trade. So this is a, this is a new kind <laughs> I don't of think challenge. anyone is a panel hoster <laughs> by just, trade. Anyone who is a community manager and who moderates panels, I have the deepest respect for you because this is like, I am a producer. So all my stuff is like internal <laughs> and I deal with this internal what stuff. Happens when you don't have bars. Normally we just pull 30 people into a bar and be like, look, this is how the fun works. This is how you apply, right. just do it, right? But we can't do that. We're online now. We have to figure out how to uh, use all this. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But anyway, I just want to thank you, Andraj. Thank, thank you, Andraj. Thank, thank, yes, thank, thank you, Andraj, for coming to the panel and dealing with Nika and Sarah and the shit show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Like it's, it may not be Friday where I am, but my team's in Australia and it's Friday there, and that's kind of just where my brain is. It's Friday. What's <laughs> the question, Sarah? Get to the basically the question that I was going to ask was uh, just like Nico, like when, when we're asking students to apply to the, you know, funding for their scholarships and it's like values of 1,000, 2,000 or 5,000 USD, like what are what are some things we're looking for? Because prototypes are very different than, than projects they might be making in schools. Absolutely. So look, you're not, if you're a student or a teacher who's passing on this information to a student anywhere in the world, a couple of notes for you. You are not applying to make a prototype game. That's not your. That's not what your scholarship's about. The, the, and again, this is where we really want to harness and hone in on like innovative play. Uh, if you're a student, you're a student because you are researching, you're exploring, you're wondering what the hell am I going to do when I graduate? And the idea here is. Um, Go ahead and apply. We're we're pushing out uh, scholarships in the amounts of one, two, and five thousand dollars, and you get to pitch your deliverable. How this works? Why are we doing this this way? Well, one, there's a pandemic. I think I've said that so many times. I'm I'm, I'm annoying myself, right? Just in case you didn't know. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know. Um, there's a pandemic. So when you graduate, you have to learn how to connect with people online, how to pitch and sell kind of like yourself for jobs. You have to learn how to interview. You have to put yourself out there in a way that is absolutely and totally different than any other year. So consider this a trial run at pitching a deliverable. The right. very worst case scenario of applying to the scholarship fund is that you're gonna get a no, but you're gonna get a no and you'll have at least tried for something that you may have not gotten before. And at least you're gonna build some sort of skill set that's gonna support kind of your initiative, your ambition, your drive, how you put and frame what you want into words. If, especially if you're looking to get a job, start a business, maybe one day build a game, whatever your deliverable it is, the application process is gonna be a skills-based training exercise just on that. So that's mm -hmm. step one. and. Because you know, and and because you get to pitch your own deliverable, don't be shy. Um, the dollar amounts, you know, like go for what you think is worth and valid. But the dollar amounts to like we're gonna come back if we really like your idea and you may pitch too high or too low, 
we're going to come back and we're going to go, we're going to renegotiate what, like we, you know, we're willing to kind of approve an offer. Same for the prototype fund. So don't look at the dollar amount and be like, I have to do this and then like this so that I can get to this. And I see that all the time with students. They feel like they are pitching the IGDA foundation for scholarships based on like what they think we want. We don't want that. We don't even know what we want. What we want is for you to pitch like your creative dream, ambition, desire, et cetera. Because when you pitch the thing that you are passionate about, you are going to be successful and that's what matters. So what can I pitch? You can pitch something like, you can pitch an academic paper that's gonna uh, look at web monetization. You can pitch um, creating a comic fan art series about know video game characters as long as it's within you know ip policies and protocol and all that uh, and then you would monetize your comic strip you could do tutorials on how to actually integrate ipl systems within your game plugin you can create plugins um, the world is literally your oyster as long as it's games industry orbiting whether it's super academic or very practical and incorporates web monetization in a creative way anyway, or maybe a very standard way, but as long as it incorporates that, go for it. Right. You know, the, this, and on top of that, you are going to join a community with other grant recipients and you'll get to troubleshoot. Your project might change during the program because you were like, ah, oh, shit, this didn't work. And that's fine. It's an experiment. But I know for a lot of universities and students in certain countries right now, funding is hard. Getting a job is tough. People are like, how the heck am I supposed to apply for things without experiences? Internships have dried up. So please look at this as a way to add to your portfolio, expand your resume, and maybe get a little bit of funding. I know right now for graduate students, PhDs right now, getting fellowships and funding for the summer is really, really hard. So if you want to pull out a fun academic paper on web monetization, and I'm not sure how PhDs work in various worlds and countries and but, you know, if you don't have summer funding, come and get it, you know, just, you know, really look at your application critically, really drive home and make clear what you're attempting to accomplish. Because if we don't understand it, then we won't be able to appropriately um, evaluate it. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so I do want to point out we do have a couple of questions and thank you. Yeah, there's the question. So essentially it's. <laughs> Are we planning on creating a similar initiative that would fit uh, the criteria, which I believe is like mid-production PC? Um, yeah. yeah, that's a Nika question for sure. <laughs> oh, I got it. Okay. All right. Um, I'm assuming this person is, okay, not a student, not web-based. So another kind of, another aspect to look at the prototype fund is like, you know, depending on, on where the stage of your game is, uh, it's if you want to incorporate, if it's not web-based, and you have wrappers around it, like you have a whole fan site or you have a forum. If there are other aspects around your game, maybe the commercial side of it, the marketing side of it, that um, that can be web monetized. The like, and so think about in the peripherals of your game that are web-based. If you can monetize that and incorporate it and tie it into the nexus of your game, or like how it improves and advances your game, you know, get creative. We'll take a look at that application and take and put serious consideration into it. Um, mm. it there's a, there's another person version of it too. Like if you pull in and use an IPL 
and maybe Andras, you know more about this technical component. We are very, like we have very much advertised this as a web-based game, but if you are using IPL and you can and you want to integrate that into your game as well, I believe we're going to take a look at some of those applications for the purposes and the ease of the fund. We are keeping it simple and keeping in terms of web-based terms. But if your game has wrappers or, you know, whether it's marketing materials or a fan art, or you're doing videos and you web monetize those aspects that enhance your product, we will consider those applications. Uh, plus, I think um, uh, the developer could create a demo or like a chapter zero or like one um, piece, one part of the full game, uh, make it uh, web-based, monetize it, and use it as a way to promote the PC game. Awesome. Okay, so we have another question, which is, are there sources you've selected that you share with developers on understanding the type of monetization you were looking for before applying for the funding? So, okay, I can kind of answer this and then feel free to hop in, Nico. Uh, but so the IGDA Foundation has a webpage that hosts all the information about uh, the Diverse Game Developers Fund, and we put information on that web page that you can look at, uh, there's an FAQ that points to different sources. And then actually within the call for pitches, I believe we do link to different technologies that we reference yeah. throughout. Um, but that's an awesome suggestion. And I can make sure that we have something consolidated on our FAQ just so folks can take a look at it because it is a very confusing and, and kind of new thing. And we definitely want everyone to make sure they feel empowered to pitch that prototype with that monetization component. Yeah. The call mm -hmm. for pitches outlines the resources and very specific components of the application process or provides clarity. So definitely take a look at that. Um, we are also, we are updating our FAQs because we realized that part of it, and look like, welcome to creating materials in your bedroom by yourself where you can't focus group or test it, right? But we we did re we did learn that um, certain communities and culture, especially like have cultural barriers. We 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 are going to clarify some of our documentation a little bit more so that people have a greater understanding of what we're looking for, what we're talking about, because we recognize that in certain communities it didn't come across um, very clearly, and that's because. You know, that's because we're learning and we're very steeped in this project. We've been working for a long time with folks like Andrash and the grant for the web community to figure out how to make this work. And we want people to be successful. So um, the resources are there. We're going to be revising in the next, what, 24 or 48 hours just to provide even further clarity on the language. And um, and um, Andrash, are there any like you? I mean, you've been through this gambit. Uh, any other any other considerations for devs? Like I I just don't want people to feel intimidated about applying. And so I like especially Andraj, you're you're steeped in this. You've been doing game jams on this. You're you're like the guru, the games guru of web monetization. Um, I I think I just want to say that the web monetization technology itself itself the API is is really straightforward. And compared to other APIs, uh, is easy to use. So it's more about like figuring out um, ways of um, 
monetizing the content content itself figuring out the creative ways how you get uh, how you can monetize it um and the technology aspect uh, shouldn't be hard if uh, if someone is uh, more technical uh, they should manage uh, if they are not the, the materials are there the tutorials are, are there uh, people are already writing how they are implementing um, web monetization into their projects uh, i'm also doing that um, i will be publishing at least like two or three uh, blog posts uh, this month um, and in general, I, I really like uh, seeing people sharing their knowledge, uh, their experiences. So uh, I already said that, but like following uh, people who already played with uh, web monetization and experimented with it is a great way to see what is possible, what is not possible, how you can use that, uh, how you can fit that into your ideas, your projects, your uh, prototypes. Awesome. So we have another question, and that's just, what is the deadline to apply? Um, and that is currently March 15th. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know the exact time, but generally my assumption would be by the, I know the, the day. Pacific, Pacific time? <laughs> 12 p.m. Pacific time, March okay, 15th. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. And then we have yet another question so what kinds of games are okay are there any that we're not going to support yeah i can definitely answer this uh the types of games right so like i don't really care i don't think sarah really cares we don't really care about like the the genre or the story like if you want to build a if you want to build a game about a little bunny like flopping around through space trying to create math equations cool if you want to create a game about a pair of headphones trying to find its speaker you know it's one true love you know some some speakers <laughs> and they meet along the way and have a love triangle with the pc machine who's looking for his monitor go for it <laughs> here's what we're not going to support we're not going to support content or pitches where the game's going to include some sort of hate speech uh, we're not going to support violence against, you know, women or marginalized communities. We're not going to support racist crap. It's not going to happen. Sorry. Uh, we're not going to support shoot 'em up school, high school, whatever. And if you've got, you know, very adult explicit content, consider yourself uh, not going very far in the application process. Uh, and, and the reason being is the IGDA Foundation does have a code of conduct, and we take that code of conduct very, very seriously. And we apply it to everything we do from our volunteers to our emails, to our panels, to our games, to our recipients. Uh, we treat everybody with respect. We want to put, yes, uh, okay, <laughs> sorry. The, again, our, host, our, our backstage, I wish like, I wish there was like a third cam of like, and here's what's happening backstage. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But the point is, is that again, we are a foundation and our whole our whole mission is that we welcome everyone who wants to play games. And uh, we have very hard stops when it comes to um, the seedy underbelly of the industry that we just don't support. Okay, 
got more. Oh, where the, will there be another round of funding in the future? Currently, we are uh, we are just kind of anticipating doing this fund and seeing how it goes. Um, you know, the way funding works is it's very much dependent on sponsors. It's dependent on who is willing. So it, it's it, it's not all just about Grant for the Web. If in the future we have sponsors and companies and folks come forward and be like, I really like that fund thing you did there. How I would like to give you a billion dollars to keep it going. And I'd say, thanks, sir. <laughs> I love a billion dollars. And if I could be in a position to give away a billion dollars every year, the answer is I will always give away a billion dollars every year. So if you are a giant money machine and you have a billion dollars to give away to diversity and inclusion efforts, please call me so that I can do another round of funding and give away a billion dollars in prototype funds. Awesome. Okay. More questions. So after I make my prototype, can you help me find a publisher? Do I need a publisher? So need is a very testy word. And I say that because who knows what we need these days, but the short, the kind of the short brief answer here is like, we have set up a steering committee to ensure some level of success, right? So our steering committee members, a few of them have committed to figuring out how we support you in this process so that you are set up at the end of it to go out and find a publisher. And some of our steering committee members might look at the game and be like, oh, I'm definitely gonna help, but some not, it's all volunteer based. Um, but it's also 50-50. The, the support and the structure that we have set up and our agreement is that we are going to fund you, we're gonna make sure you're hitting checkpoints, you're gonna be in a community and you're gonna get it done. But part of it is also like, you've gotta hustle. You gotta make your own bread happen. Welcome to running a business, a game, a product of any sorts. There's going to be some grit. There's going to be some turmoil. Uh, if you happen to run into the guy that has a billion dollars to give away, good for <laughs> you. Please make sure he calls me after. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. I don't know if we have any other questions left. Well, do we, Nika, do you have a meeting? What, what hard stop do we actually have here? I'm not sure I haven't opened up my calendar because I just ran back up here with my LaCroix. Oh, yes. I can also. Listen, I want to apologize to everybody for all the comments that Dan has been putting in the backstage <laughs> chat. <laughs> I told him not to do that and he did it anyway. No, you're totally fine. Uh, let me take a quick look. Looks like my hard stop is in 10 minutes. I am. I can stick around to answer questions. Yeah. Well, let's keep, let's go through these, and I can answer them faster as well. How many more questions do we have? I, I mean, that's that's the latest one. So yeah, if you're out there watching and you have a question, put it in chat. Please, please ask. Yeah. Please ask. Uh, okay. I'll check, I'll to any country, or is there any? Okay. So the question is: Is it open to any country, or is there a restriction of which countries can apply to the fund? There is no country restrictions. However, if you are a student or a prototype fund, etc., you will have to check with your local laws or your country laws on how taxes work when you accept money. Cause you will get it like, especially for students, like it, it's a yes. total, it totally differs from country to country. And it's, that's something that's just out of our control. Um, one day I will be president of the entire world and, and I'll make sure that when we find a billion dollars, nobody will have to pay taxes <laughs> on prototype funds. Uh, especially of marginalized communities. But for now, the only restriction is going to be based on your local laws of accepting and completing 
uh, accepting funds and completing the prototype. All right. So maybe I missed. I want to check. Yes. Once you apply and, you know, if you get funding, right. then what's the deadline to actually finish your project? Three months. Okay. So everybody should be done by August. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> Did that napkin math there? Very good. I'm not sure. <laughs> I just said yeah with confidence. Uh, yes, I, so I have a timeline. So, yeah, so just to make a comment on that. So right now we're aiming to kind of start things around mid late April, but just because uh, application evaluations take time and we know that everyone's kind of in a different situation, we'll find a time that works. But generally, everyone should expect to wrap everything up in August. Yeah. Uh, question is, what is the success for a first time studio? Do we need to be incorporated or any legal structures in place? Uh, we're allowing freelancers and individuals and people to apply and they're not, not everyone's going to have, you know, their corporation or legal structures, et cetera. I will say though, in terms of, you know, success, like if you are applying as a team, have your structures and your tough conversations ahead of the application or like while we're assessing the application, uh, we're not we're not going to kind of like determine how you, you know for us it's about making sure you have the support to finish the game um, if you need to incorporate our legal structures again check what country you're in if you if like accepting funds matters in that aspect just check with your local laws and find resources to help you answer this but really like anybody can apply um, we are going to look at whether or not we think that there's a viability that you can finish the prototype fund. It doesn't mean you have to have this laundry list of like, oh, here's all that I've accomplished because there are people that can totally make a prototype. Uh, and, the, you know, you don't have to have like 100 media pieces and like 30 developed games. That's not the point of this. It's just that like, you know, if you are a studio and you're making a game, make sure that you internally have discussed ownership of the game who does what in the game it's a team like we are expecting if you're going to apply as a team we're going to expect you to self-manage and operate as a team because you you will hopefully be doing that with or without us okay what if an awarded project is not complete within three months that's a really good question man Better, we gotta finish it. No, I'm just kidding. Do you want it? me to take and, uh... it? <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Okay, so this is my producer response. So ideally, projects would finish within three months' time, but as we know, game projects notoriously go longer than expected. So really, what we're looking for is our um, recipients to communicate, you know, regularly with kind of our program with with all the program managers and if you find that you're going to need more time and things are running long just let us know and we can work out something with you uh, just because again like i said we know things go wrong projects uh projects are extended all the time that is like the game industry mo so long as you're just really transparent about just where you are and the kind of support you need we can work with you on that so i know nika's got to go here in a minute and i want to point this comment out from alina <laughs> Uh, she says that people, you know, this applies to earthquakes and talking about, you know, Nika fleeing the fake tornado a little while ago. Uh, people die from suffocation from debris and dust. Make sure your tornado kit has N95 respirators in addition to food, water, hand crank and generator. If you will notice, multiple bottles of LaCroix and a switch are not on that list. 
Just okay. Just so we're clear, I still don't really understand or know what a tornado is. Because like all the alarm bells they have here don't like none of it made sense to me. I was have you, like, what? Have you ever watched The Wizard of Oz? I did. I mean, it's a fiction, it's a it's a movie. You want me to base yeah. my exit well, strategy on Toto and houses around and a pair was, of that's, that's red shoes? Real. That's a... First of yeah, all, no, but, like, if you want to take me out to the land of Oz, it's not that I don't love my job or whatever. Please sweep me up and take me there. I would love to go on an adventure right now and hang out with some flying monkeys. It'll be like the most social interaction I've had. Since I would just like seven. to hang out with people again. Flying <laughs> monkeys, 10 men, walking, talking, and monkeys, 10 men, evil yeah. witches, Glenda. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But yeah, no, Nika, the Midwest especially has like, they'll pick a day and a time, like in, in Madison, it's like, I think Wednesdays at noon, that that's like their tornado thing. So you'll see just people, that's why like, people really don't worry about tornadoes until they can like see one coming towards them. Like that's the stereotype. So just <laughs> be prepared. Like the guy mowing his yard with the tornado behind him photo? Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, I mean, it was a thing when I was young and we were not even in the Midwest when there was a tornado sound, we'd all stick our heads out the window and be like, where is it? Um, totally safe. Totally safe. <laughs> Does that, do we have any more questions? I want to make sure that yes. I can answer. Uh, we don't at the moment, but I mean, I want to say thank you all for doing this. I mean, because it is, we talk about a lot of the barriers to entry across the industry. Obviously, you know, underrepresented you know people and and areas of the world that's a main problem that's why we started doing these digital conferences three years ago whenever we started doing them two and a half years ago i don't even remember at this point this is our eighth one but we that's did awesome. it because we know that people from you know southeast asia south america a lot of eastern europe north africa the south i mean i already said southeast asia anyway there's a lot of places in the world where they can't drop 10 grand to fly up to gdc you know that's just not a reality yeah. And so for you all to come in and do this and try to help as many people as you can, you know, get to that next point. That's awesome. And especially okay. since it is international and it's not something that's like, okay, well, you're not in the UK, so you can't apply, you know, right. this is everybody. And, and it's very good and it's very cool. And I'm glad y'all are doing it. And if there are ways that we can help, I am a hundred percent, all behind it because I think this is a really, really good thing that y'all are doing. Awesome. Well, thank you, Andrash, for joining us. It's like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock p.m. Yeah, his time. 11, 11, 11 yeah. o'clock p.m. Andrash has been amazing and just a great kind of individual Thanks who's been helping us. Me. Oh, of course. Like one of our favorite kind of ambassadors in the space who has definitely utilized it and helped destigmatize, like, don't be intimidated. This shit's cool. Trust us. That's <laughs> the other aspect I want to thank Sarah for grabbing and, and just like, just navigating. I read this, I, I, I caught up on the Slack message. Apparently I missed. And so she's amazing. She's our program lead on the IGDA foundation with a day job because she just really cares. And she is actually a former IGDA foundation scholar recipient who's really come up and dug her heels into ensure that she's paying it forward. And it's just an awesome success story. Lastly, thank you, Jay, for bringing this community together in a pandemic and allowing me to drop F-bombs and show up late. You didn't drop a single F-bomb. I know, what a disappointment. But especially <laughs> because Jay has very generously donated 
free full access passes to the winners of the prototype fund projects. And I think that's going to be huge because people that are going to apply and be a part of it, um, you know, everyone's just looking for more ways to stay connected, even though Zoom fatigue is real. I'm like, oh my God, people are watching this. I was like, go take a nap. Like, get your eyes away from the screen. <laughs> like, what I'm kidding. This is an amazing community. This is an awesome conference. And the IGDA Foundation is a huge supporter of the indie game business. I think what you're doing, Jay, is really, really stellar. And if I had to do this full time, I would cry. I would cry all the you time. Shut up. You're going to make me cry. And don't this is the don't last, do it. This is the last session, I and I ain't going out like that. So That's it. We're just, we're just closers. That's what we do. So it's, it's this is Andrash is like please let me go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I promise not all of the things are like this. It's literally just the yeah right. Mika, <laughs> and uh, sure, sure, yeah. yeah. The other panelists that you have before are like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah. All right. Andres, we're going to let you go to bed because it's late and you're okay. tired and you've had to put up with us for the last hour. Uh, and, well, and Mika, I'm, I'm locking the bedroom for my wife, so uh, I have to go. Yes. <laughs> very, very important. Okay. Thank you. And Nika, Sarah, okay. thank you as well. Thanks for Sarah, having me. Bye. Bye, Andre. If you will... If you get that thing together, we'll, hold on a second. Now I got to move because you know now we now we've we've yeah, switched. Here. Um, if you'll get me that information, we'll get it out to all the attendees. So for for yes. those of you who are still hanging with us at the end of day three, thank you. And as long as you have any sort of pass to this event, you'll be getting an email either tonight or tomorrow morning that has all these decks and all kinds of other you know goodies and cool stuff in it. Um, and then you can always find us on the Discord too. So. That's it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Way to close it out. All right. All right. The, the, our eighth conference is done. You two farewell. Let us know how we can help. Thank you as LaCroix. always. Party with LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, it was a long time before I realized that was a non-alcoholic drink. Oh, I just my gosh. Jay. It I like, Fancy sparkling water. It looks like a spritzer. I mean, I'm sorry. That's it. I have no idea why I grabbed these things. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see y'all next week. Well, I mean, you bye. two maybe not, but everybody out there listening, we'll see them next week. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.